Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Life Overtakes Me tells the story of traumatized children of the refugee diaspora who are in such profound despair that they withdraw into a coma-like state. In Sweden, over 400 refugee children have been afflicted with this life-threatening psychosomatic illness, and the film will accompany two of them and their families on this frightening odyssey through the resignation syndrome. The film has been nominated for an Academy Award in the short documentary program, as well as numerous awards around the world. The film is called Life Overtakes Me, and we're honored to have with us today the director and producers, and that would be John Haptis and Christine Samuelson. To both of you, John and Christine, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much. much. Thank you so very, very much. This is something uh, that, and one of the things I love so much about documentary films and filmmakers is this constant search for stories that are either underreported or not reported at all. This is something I'd never heard anything about until I saw your film, and it's such a moving film. Um, tell me, I'll start with you, Christine. What was it, or how did you come upon this story of resignation syndrome, and uh, and then what prompted the, the desire to move forward with a documentary on this? Well, we came upon the story in an article, and like you, we were completely puzzled. We thought, how could this be happening in the world that we live in? And so we then did more research into this topic and discovered that uh, most of the cases had been documented in Sweden, almost all of them, and that there, you know, like many psychosomatic illnesses that have occurred uh, around the world at various times, like there have been some resignation syndrome cases during the Holocaust. Um, you know, it's, it's rare that it, it's hard to know why it happened, um, but it is an extremely profound response to, to trauma and stress. So we thought we would look into this as a film topic uh, because it's such a visual representation of the stress and trauma that we otherwise think people mostly keep inside. Well, John, um, in the film, there's some speculation that it seems to be occurring with refugees from the Balkans and from the southern part of Russia. And it, it, my geography isn't great. Are we talking about the Chechnyan kind of region of, of Russia? Is that what we're describing? Well, I think we're talking about a, a sort of a broad swath of that part of the world. Um, it's it's uh, a lot of a number of former Soviet republics. Yeah. Um, and it also includes some minority groups like Roma, uh, Yazidis. It's really hard to say what exactly is going on. We talked to um, a lot of people who've been researching this in Sweden, and there's a lot of different ideas about what's going on. Right. And I think that it is. I think one thing we did learn is that it's there. There are a lot of factors involved. It probably involves the Swedish um, asylum process being a sort of a lengthy one. That, that you know puts people in very uncertain, sometimes hopeless situations where they just don't see a way forward. Uh, it probably involves cultural aspects of uh, either where people come from or maybe in some fashion the collision of those cultures with what's happening to them in Sweden. 
Um, there's just, I mean, one of the words we heard used was multifactorial when yeah. people are, are trying to figure out what's going on. Right. Well, let's, and in the film, we follow a couple of the victims of this resignation syndrome. And I believe one of them is Yassidi, uh, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Hasidi. No, there's, there's, correct. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. One of the one of the families is Yazidi, and um, and there's a total of three. And we actually shot uh, we we filmed four families, but felt that uh, you know we, we we ended up with three in the film. We'll leave it at that. Right, uh, Christine, describe what what it, it, who we see in Daria is one of them, Karen is one of them, and I've forgotten the other. Um, um, Layla. Layla. Layla, that's right. Yeah, that's T- right. Des- describe the syndrome for, for our listeners. Yes, usually um, it ha- it's typically triggered by something, um, either a traumatic event uh, that the child just simply cannot process, or maybe it's the buildup of several traumatic events. But in the trigger that we've seen a lot in the research that we've done is that families, because these are not families from war zones. They're not coming from Aleppo. They're coming from parts of the world where there's kleptocracies, there's gangs, there's a lot of religious oppression, there's a lot of um, extortion, and so these families are not the easiest to decide in terms of asylum, and they take takes much, much longer for their cases to be decided, and when they are decided, very often it's a form of a letter that comes to the home, and the children, having been in school in Sweden, are the, are the most fluent people in the family, so they often read the letter to the parents. And the trauma of the denial of residency is so troubling to the kids and the idea of being deported back to these terrifying places that it often will trigger this resignation syndrome where they stop drinking, they stop eating, they stop communicating, they go lie down and they refuse to get up, and eventually they gradually withdraw into a coma-like state, and the parents are panicking because these kids um, are just wasting away in, on a bed. They take them to the hospital where they immediately have to be rehydrated because they're in pretty bad shape after a couple days. Mm-hmm. And then they insert a nasogastric tube into the children and send them home for the parents to feed them through the tube. It, this can go on for months, and we know of cases, we've seen cases where it's gone on for years. I, I mean, of all the sort of social systems that I know of in the world, and I'm not that well-versed, but certainly it would seem that it's understandable why Sweden would be such an attractive place for refugees to go. They have a pretty robust social network, uh, sort of a, if you will, they seem to want to take care of their people in ways that other countries don't. So it's understandable. And there's a psychiatrist in the film Anne, and I won't even try to pronounce her name, So, but Anne seems to have been dealing with this syndrome for a little while, so she has some expertise in sort of helping counsel the parents through this process. John describes sort of that, that part of the film, and it's very, uh, very empathetic. Yeah, there's a number, there are a number of volunteer doctors um, that are working. I mean, there's also professionals who, who, in the course of, you know, providing medical care will help these families. But we also um, got to know some doctors who volunteer to uh, to assist the families, and they not only do medical assistance, um, but they also really encourage the families and show the families and guide the families 
in all the kinds of stimulation um, that they think will keep the child, push the child as best they can, you know, towards some resolution of things. Um, there's, it, it, you know, as you see in the film, the doctors are there checking out the kids, the doctors are there encouraging the parents to try and feed them, to try and uh, talk to them. Uh, in the families we've seen, uh, we watched endless uh, exercising of limbs. They help the kids, they, they move the kids and mimic while walking with them. They play music for them. They talk to them. They read to them. There's this constant stimulation that uh, the parents are attempting. And this is done under the guidance of a lot of these volunteer doctors. Um, but but the, what the doctors have told us also uh, pretty clearly is that they, they feel that the only thing they've really seen that really has seemed to work is for the family to get some stability. Uh, and very often that means residency in Sweden, but in some fashion to have some end to this sort of hopeless, uncertain future that they're, that they're in the middle of. Christine, is there any sense that the, these children are taking in information? Do they, is there evidence to suggest that they might, in fact, be cognitive in, on some level of their surroundings? And You know, there really isn't. Um, people people wonder about that, and there have been some efforts to do some fMRI uh, to see to fMRIs to see if they are, but there hasn't really been enough of that done to really say anything. It certainly appeared to us that the kids were out completely out. Yeah, um, it's not not present at all. Is there John? Is there been a sense that this is something that's been around that was just not diagnosed in the past? Is this a relative? Is this a modern uh, phenomena? Is there a sense of that? Yeah. You know, there's um, there's even differing opinions about that. It seems um, pretty clear that a number of people we talk to feel that um, in small numbers that this sort of thing has occurred. Uh, there's talk um, of, like in concentration camps during World War II, of sometimes people feeling totally hopeless would just go off in a corner and curl up and, um, and die. Um, and, and, of course, as we well know, there's a lot of very unusual uh, reactions, psychosomatic reactions to stress of other kinds uh, that aren't as extreme as what we're seeing in Sweden. Uh, there are stories of Cambodian women going psychosomatically blind um, a lot in the L.A. area uh, some years back after Pol Pot uh, and the Khmer Rouge. Uh, recently we saw uh, articles in the New York Times about um, women who had escaped from ISIS where they were sex slaves or otherwise abused as they were getting mental health treatment, they would go into these fainting fits where they would faint repeatedly 20 times a day. Uh, it's just simply uh, another way of reacting. And what drew us to this is it was something that was right out front. Uh, it was visual. And it, it, you know, we're hoping people will think about the fact that however people respond, being a refugee is traumatic, yeah. uh, whether it's in Sweden or whether it's on our border or anyplace else. Right, and it's the very definition of uncertainty. Isn't yeah. It? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Precisely, and I think that's really key. Yeah, I just be in the last minute I have with you. Uh, two two questions, sort of for the floor, but I want to let our listeners know we're, we're speaking with John Haptis and Christine Samuelson, and they are the co-directors and co-producers of an Academy Award nominated short documentary film called "Life Overtakes Me." Uh, the Academy Awards are on February 9th, and um, congratulations on that. But a couple of things has this. Stim as your film and and people kind of coming to it sort of begin to stimulate more discussion or you uh, is it are, are people coalescing around this 
uh, is a is sort of a, a way to get the word out because we are. Th- this is just by editorializing here. We are on the verge of of migrations likes of which the world has never seen with climate change, and yeah. so getting a, a handle on how we're going to, in a humane way, deal with refugees is has to be one of the top priorities of sort of the world in a, in a broad sense of how we're going to deal with massive migration, displacement. So I would hope that this is a one way to kind of stimulate a discussion in that realm as well. Is that something you guys are finding? Yes, we are, actually. And the fact that it's on Netflix and streaming... Um, makes it possible for people all over the world to be seeing it and to think about whether or not, you know, this could be in the future happening in their own country. Certainly in the U.S., a lot of people who have seen the film that we've talked to have immediately start thinking about our own borders and all those children separated from their families and being held there. And though there haven't been any documented cases of resignations, you know, it could happen. Yeah. Hey, Mike, you're so right. If we're going to have borders, we better figure this out because once global warming uh, ramps up, as it's doing right now, we're going to have millions of people crossing borders to try and stay alive any way they can. Exactly. I mean, when you look at the, you know, the maps of uh, the rise in sea level, 70% of the world lives within a few miles, whatever it is, 10, 15 miles of the of the coast. There's no way in the world we're going to avoid this a massive seismic uh, migration and the, all the issues that come with it. And if we're going to militarize all of our borders, I, we just have to figure this out. I guess that's just the, the short, the long and short yeah, answer there. We right. have to figure it we out. Agree, we agree completely, Mike. Yeah. Well, I, again, congratulations on this very emotionally moving film. Uh, and I'm so glad that once again, you great filmmakers have taken it upon yourself. You documentary people have taken it upon yourself to, to shine a light on something that I had no idea about. And I'm so glad that I, I, I was able to find out about it and have this conversation with you about it. Thank you so well, very thank much. You. We thank all have you. to put our shoulders to the wheel in whatever way we can. That's right. Appreciate Great to talk to you, Mike. Thank you. Again, the film is Life Overtakes Me. We've been speaking with the, the producers and the directors, and that would be John Haptis and Christine Samuelson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 